Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman, your host. We have some new uh, guests today. They are actually part of the Halston Media staff. They're new um, employees, and I'm excited to welcome them. We have Jessica Einchers. She is a reporter for the Katona Lewis Bro Times and also Yorktown News. And we have Whit Anderson. He is a reporter with the Somers Record and North Salem News. They are joined by Tom Wallagorski. He's the editor of the Somers Record and North Salem News. And joined also by Bob Dumas, our editor of Mayapac News. Later in the episode, we might have uh, Brian Marshauser join us. He's uh, also the editor of Yorktown and uh, the Cotonalist Broad Times. So welcome all. Thank you. Right, good, to, good to be here. Great, great. Be here. Jessica, not to put you on a spot, but I do want to get this off the plate because I know we talked a little bit before the episode about you know running into some problems with this uh, story about not just local gas prices. It's It's really nationwide and worldwide. And we're trying to seek people's input, you know, our readers' input about how gas prices are impacting them. If you can kind of you know, extrapolate on that and maybe some of the comments that are not totally useful for... Uh, and don't forget, this is uncensored, so you can say whatever you want. So I've been working on this story for about two days now, and I haven't really been getting the results that I wanted from gas station owners. I've messaged a couple hoping for an interview. One directly said that she did not want to comment at all. The others just haven't responded, period. With everything that I want to ask them, it's not to make them look bad. It's just to kind of gauge their opinion on everything that's going on. I'm sure this has been really hard for them, too. It's not just a consumer issue. It's their issue, too. We've tried to gauge reactions from our Facebook page. But unfortunately, all the comments so far are inappropriate or just... F. Joe Biden, which yeah. isn't something we can really publish. Yeah, it's certainly a little bit more complicated than uh, I know. The prices are certainly spiking in, in, in part because of what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. So uh, you know, it's uh, it's hard when you start to realize how the you know the gas prices get intertwined with politics. You know, I've noticed a lot of chatter just in social media in general, and it seems like you know the two really kind of go hand in hand for some people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I will tell you, it definitely impacts small businesses. It definitely. It's actually impacted us before the whole Russia-Ukraine debacle tragedy. Our shipping has prices have gone up over the past year a couple times. So you know it, it definitely uh, you know impacts the bottom line for businesses for families. So you know we're going to keep our eyes open on on that story, Jessica. And thank you for yeah. looking into that. Um, yeah, grocery prices going through the roof as a result too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I know I know the cost of wheat has gone up. I know the cost of of beef has gone way up. Well, just know. because of the shipping, they just have to get it, the groceries from point A to point B. And Absolutely. I mean, I think some of it, some of those price increases had to do with supply chain issues um, during COVID. Now it's being impacted, of course, by shipping as well. I agree with you about that. Yeah, it's piling on. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, I'm going to jump now actually to Bob. I'm going to jump to you because um, we have a couple exciting things, positive things happening in Mayapac. If you want to share that. Sure. Why not? 
Hard news-wise, it's kind of slow and may pack these days, but we do have some fun stuff. Um, for the first time in two years, thanks to COVID, the St. Patrick's Day Parade will return this weekend. I believe by the time we broadcast this podcast, it'll already have happened. But So if you were out there, you probably had a great time. Uh, here in Mayapak, um, the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade it happens to be, which I think is pretty cool, the third largest St. Patrick's Day Parade in the state of New York. The first largest being the one, of course, down in New York City. And then I think there's one upstate that is the second largest. And then ours is the third largest. A guy named Eddie McDowell from the town of Southeast. He was named this year's Grand Marshal. So he'll be leading the parade. And it's on Route 6 uh, here in Maypac. And it's always uh, a well-attended event. And people will be uh, it's supposed to be a pretty uh, good day on Sunday, so people will have a chance to get out of the house and breathe some fresh air and, and have a great time. And so it's good to see a sign of things slowly returning to quote-unquote normal. So we'll have, uh, of course, Tabby will be there with her camera, and we'll have tons of photos of that, and they will be heavily featured in next week's edition. Great, great. Um, and, other- and of course, this podcast is hitting the airwaves on uh, Monday, March 14th. So it'll be heavily featured in this week's edition um, for, oh, those, yeah, yeah. for those people listening. Yeah. Now, the uh, parade itself is on the 13th, uh, Sunday. Yep. These photos, uh, just by happenstance, will appear in our March 17th issue, St. Patrick's Day. So um, there's some synergy there that doesn't usually happen to us. So we'll actually have St. Patrick's Day parade photos in our St. Patrick's Day issue. So that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It just worked out that way. Tabby pointed that out to me. Oh, cool. And then the other good news story is one of our own, Corinne Stanton, who is one of our sales executives. She is a big time mover and shaker within the greater Mayapak Carmel Chamber of Commerce, has been named by that organization as the business person of the year, which is uh, their biggest honor they bestow annually. Uh, I believe in April, they'll be having their gala dinner where these awards will be given out. We'll be doing a feature on Corrine Vrin this week, um, telling her story. I'll be interviewing Michael Celestino, this, the CEO of the chamber, to get all the uh the scoop on uh, why they chose her and stuff. But those of us who have worked side by side with Corinne wouldn't be surprised by this because she's pretty amazing. People out there might know her by her presence on Facebook. She's always live broadcasting on Facebook at all kinds of events, a lot of ribbon cuttings for new businesses and just broadcasting from different interesting businesses and promoting them and explaining about what they are. And she's always at the myriad chamber events and she's just an icon of the community and we're all excited for her for this honor. And I'm sure I'm very excited. I mean, I'm, you know, look, obviously look, I'm happy for Corinne. Uh, I'm happy for Halston media. Also it's very well deserved for Corinne. I mean, as, as you said, I mean, she's just very well liked, well respected in in uh, the Greater Mayapak area, and also in Somers, you know, where she grew up as well. She, I know she cares about her clients. She she works hard for her clients. She works hard for the business community. She's she's been volunteering for the Mayapak Chamber for many years. So it's definitely a well deserved. Frankly, I think it's a it's an honor for for um, Halston Media and Mayapak News as well. In part because you know we employ her and uh, you know we we give her the time to really devote to the Mayapak Chamber 
and so we're certainly uh, we're we're proud of her and what she's accomplished, without a doubt. Well, the cool thing about Corinne, obviously, she's very good at her job, and this is not to disparage any other sales reps out there. And I've worked with tons of them throughout my career, but the thing that and I'm sure you agree with this, Brett, is, you know, every salesperson wants to make a sale and, you know, get their commission and be successful and all that. And Corinne wants to do that as well. But I've never seen some, she literally genuinely cares about her client. She wants to see them succeed and she wants to be a conduit for that success. She wants to help. She doesn't want to just sell the ad. She wants to sell them that makes sense for their business and will help them in the best way possible. And I think that's what led her to this honor. I will add a quick clarification. I do feel like all the salespeople on our staff uh, have those attributes. And frankly, you know, that's sort of a requirement for being a salesperson. Our staff is, is that I, I have another salesperson who's, who said that he puts the client first, the business second, and himself third. If he puts his priorities in that order, he'll be successful. I do think all our sales team act like that. Of course, Corinne, she does an exceptional job of you know really getting to know and be part of the community. And, and I, I think that's where she really excels and stands out among our team is just being part of the community and being a leader in the chamber. And um, so, you know, that's just a fantastic accomplishment. So mm -hmm. I'm going to jump now to Tom because um, this is kind of breaking news as of two hours ago. And this is also just a real positive story. So Tom, you want to, do you want to share that? Yeah, thank you. You know, it's, uh, you know, Bob talking about sometimes, you know, things just the stars align for a story in the right way. So very cool thing coming out of Somers, gentleman named Steve Wilson. Four years ago, uh, Mr. Wilson climbed Mount Kilimanjaro out in Africa. Two years ago, he donated a kidney to a complete stranger, just, you know, selfless act, just the right thing to do and everything. And actually this morning, Thursday, March 10th, he is back at the summit of Kilimanjaro. And this time he went up there as part of a group called the uh, Kidney Donor Athletes and basically doing this, this huge endeavor, you know, climbing one of the tallest mountains to basically to prove to people that you can donate a kidney and still live like a very healthy, functional life. And actually, as of about two hours ago, they did reach the summit. We were trying to find, uh, they were supposed to have a videographer going with them. And I was actually hoping that we would be able to have the video as part of this podcast. But uh, unfortunately, there was just a picture of them uh, at the summit, but that'll be you know available on our website. And it was also nice that the, uh, you know, the stars kind of aligned and today is World Kidney Day. And so that they, you know, they actually successfully reached the summit. He was part of a group of 21 other hikers. I think it took about six days to actually climb up and reach the top of it and everything. But, you know, just, uh, you know, nice, nice applause for Mr. Wilson. Like this is an incredibly selfless, inspirational thing to do. And a nice little representation for the town of Somers out in Tanzania. That's incredible. And, uh, you know, definitely an inspiring story. I think if everyone could think the way he did in terms of donating a kidney, you know, because we all have two kidneys, if everyone kind of, you know, and hey, I'm guilty of this too. I've not, you know, I still have my two kidneys, but you know, if everyone could kind of think the way he did, I think uh, it would certainly be a better world for sure. That, so, that was impressive to me too, just that he donated it to basically a complete stranger. Yeah, yeah. You know, you hear a lot of stories about people giving it to, you know, your family members and everything, but just to somebody you don't even know. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a special kind of person right there. Absolutely. Did, did he just walk into a medical center and say, I'm willing to donate, mask me up with a, you know, take it. You know, is it like someone he, he read in the newspaper? How do you, you know, 
Uh, you know, that I'm not sure of. I mean, I just know that the kidney donor list is very long just from other stories, yeah. you know, that we've, you know, I, I feel like we've all probably touched on that at some point. You know, there was actually a, a woman in Somers uh, last year that the same thing. And just, you know, you learn about the struggle of how long it actually takes when yeah. you're on one of these waiting lists. Absolutely. So, but yeah, Brent's right. If we had more people like Mr. Wilson, you know, I think uh, the world would be in, be in good shape. Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump to to your other positive or hopeful story, and then we'll go to some of the controversies going on and you know and then i'll actually jump to some other positive stories and then we'll go to the controversies in town <laughs> so um i know in north salem they're engaging in um a fundraiser or donations yeah yeah and unfortunately by the time this podcast airs the donation will have finished but we will have coverage of the you know of the event and everything so this was a joint effort between the north salem ambulance corps and a group called animal embassy they're kind of like an environmental education group Basically, they just joined forces and they're having a um, they're having a drive to uh, collect medical supplies just for aid for the Ukraine with uh, everything that's going on over there. And uh, just an applause for the two groups there. And I just think it's great that even on like a, hy- a hyper local focus, there are still people putting in the effort to try to help out with what's going on over there. Yeah, that's, you know, that's definitely wonderful. That, that drive will be going on through, you know, through the weekend. And we'll definitely have some coverage of that next week. But just, a, you know, a, a great effort by two of our local groups to try to make a difference there. Great, it's, great. it's nice to see. Great. I am going to to the other positive story that, um, you know, Jessica was going to touch on. This story really blew up. It's interesting on our Facebook pages to see which stories kind of really just explode and go viral. And, and this was one that was kind of exciting to see, kind of inspiring business story. If you want to share that, Jessica. Sure. So I had the pleasure of interviewing the owner of Put Some Meat on Your Bones. It's a food truck that's located by the entrance of the Jefferson Valley Mall. His name is Lyle. And as a person, he just blew me away. He's so many different things. I mean, I'd seen the truck around before, but I had never realized what an important part he played in the Jefferson Valley area. I never realized how the article would blow up, so to speak. Um, When I talked to him, he just had so many interests that I never would have expected. Herpetology, music, producing, graphic design. He's just so many incredible things. People were blown away because, you know, he, he lets people pay what they want. Um, I was about to get into that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, go on. <laughs> I apologize. So it started as just like a once a week thing. Well, he was giving free food, free sandwiches to first responders and nurses. And that kind of just evolved into pay what you want Tuesday. And then that evolved to an everyday thing. So he puts the cash drawer on the windowsill and he genuinely doesn't even look at it. So that way people that may not be able to afford it, but are a little embarrassed about having to pay less can just do so without judgment or without fear of judgment, I should say. And he has admitted that people do take advantage of it and that he makes about 50% what he actually should, but he doesn't care about the profit. He just cares about helping the community. I hope your story actually is beneficial to his business. I sure hope, you know, when people read that and go uh, to frequent his establishment that, you know, they give a little bit more than maybe what the sandwiches would cost and um, the food would cost. uh, Because obviously, obviously, you know, you can't operate a business at a loss. Just to share a little anecdote, you know, I've known Lyle for years now. I did actually a story on him four or five years ago. My my wife recommended him and that's where I learned all this crazy stuff about him. You know, my favorite fact is that he was in a weekend, a music video for the weekend in the night. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, uh, yeah, he he was in the entertainment business as like a, you know, snake handler for Madonna. Like it's kind of ridiculous, but we became friendly and he would never let me pay. Never. And like it, it came to the point where I would just have to like throw money in the tip jar and run away 
And now that he does the pay what you want, now he can't stop me from paying. <laughs> yeah, it's so it, yeah it's, he, he does not let people pay. It's amazing. Yeah, it's well, that sounds like a special guy. So um, I'm going to jump to Wit now because uh, he, he covered something kind of pretty big in town of Somers. And uh, this is very, uh, you know, certainly an explosive story. So tell us about Wit. Yeah, an explosive story. Not as inspiring of a story, but... Um, Somers resident Vincenzo Fidanza, uh, 40 years old, was arrested on March 1st uh, by the New York State Police for uh, multiple felony drug charges and weapon charges. Some of the drugs included over 20 pounds of marijuana, over 1,500 grams of amphetamines, different opiates, cocaine. He had an AK-47 with him. So on, I believe, the 3rd, he was arraigned by Justice McDermott, Mike McDermott at the Somers Town Court. The charges on him included criminal possession of a controlled substance in the second degree, a class A11 felony, two counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, a class B felony, and so on. I went to his court reappearance on Monday. This time it was in front of uh, Justice Dennis J. Timone, and he was with his attorney, and his attorney requested that he not be remanded for his violation of parole. But that was issued a denial, so he remains in custody. And it was it was just crazy because you know it was a it was a court appearance, but there were also other residents there, or, you know, people within the area that essentially you know just were there for speeding tickets and you know little minor things like that. But he was there in handcuffs, and he got taken back in handcuffs, and which uh, which is a little bit probably jarring in you know a little old town of Somers. This you know, is the, more crime yeah. than I want in the town of Somers here. Like this is, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the Elephant Hotel. It's just a little jarring to see somebody. I'm sure being uh, frog marched off in handcuffs. But this is also something. And what made it? Sorry, oh, no, no, I just what made it even almost more eerie was how calm he was the whole time, as if he knows his fate. It's been a crazy last month and a half for Fidanza because you know that happened. You know, unfortunately, his father. I was. I looked it up. His father passed away earlier this month. Yeah, it's not it's not looking great for him. Um, so you said it was 40 years old? Yes. Okay. Right. Well, see, it's interesting because I actually have a, a friend of mine as a defense attorney. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I use him as my, you know, uh, informal legal thing. And I always ask him, like, hey, if you were representing this guy, what would you do for him? And he actually told me something interesting because uh, Mr. Fidanza, this also rolls into like Witt said, uh, he violated his probation with all these charges. And apparently when you're on probation, you don't have the same rights as far as search and seizure goes. Because uh, my friend, the defense attorney, makes he, sense, he yeah. his first thing would be like, oh, I would try to get it thrown out as a bad search. And he's like, oh, no, the guy was on probation. He's like, that goes out the window. Basically, yeah. he's like, yeah, I can't do anything. Kind of to Wit's point that like, yeah, maybe the writing's on the wall for this guy here. Because that is a frightening amount of drugs there for yeah. anywhere, especially Somers, New York. Like, come on. Look, if he's on probation, you know, and again, I want to emphasize this is all alleged, of course, you know, because people are innocent until proven guilty. But, you know, the fact that he's on probation he might have some kind of wish to just, who knows, who knows what's going on uh, in his psyche. Certainly, uh, we want to take illegal drugs off the streets of uh, Somers. And I know there's a big drug problem in the community and, you know, in all our communities. So good that they, they figured this out. And actually, I, Brian, I want to jump to you. I'm not sure what you wanted to discuss with us today. Yeah, I know. I missed the pre-show meeting. Sorry about that. But I don't That's know right. if you, uh, you know, our, our, our front page story this week is obviously what's happening with Matt Slater. I don't know if you touched on that. Did not. Nope. Nope. Before you go into anything mm -hmm. with politics, I just want to say 
the, the piece of information I told you last night, we're not allowed to say it in the podcast because I, I talked to this person hmm. this morning. He said, don't say anything yet. So, Got it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> um, so Matt Slater, who is the town supervisor, town of Yorktown, he basically confirmed last week that he's seeking the assembly nomination for District 94, uh, you know, a historically Republican seat. So if he secures the nomination, hard time uh, seeing him not winning the seat. And it looks like he's trending toward securing the nomination. Uh, so he's, you know, 36-year-old Yorktown guy. He uh, won the supervisor seat. First year is January 2020. That's when he started. So great timing. <laughs> he was handed a pandemic right to start. I actually think he did a pretty good job, especially communication uh, standpoint. After just two plus years on the job, he's uh, he's now looking toward Albany. I think this was kind of always in the plans to seek higher office. Personally, I'm a little surprised it happened so soon. And I think, you know, I spoke to Slater about this and he just said, you know, it all kind of fell into place. He wasn't planning it either. It's just that, you know, when Kevin Byrne, who holds, who holds the seat now, he's vacating that seat to run for Putnam County Executive. The stars just aligned and it just became something that he was going for. So he's certainly qualified from, a, you know, he, he knows Albany. He, he was the chief of staff for Senator Terrence Murphy. He uh, also worked, I think he was also chief of staff for uh, Assemblyman Steve Katz. Back in the early 2000s, early 2010s, I should say. Yeah, so that's it. It looks like Yorktown will now kind of, well, it's, it's still a long ways away. I mean, so many things could happen in the next uh, nine months. But I mean, I think everyone in town now is trying to figure out the succession plan and what happens there. So that's kind of another interesting wrinkle. But um, what's, uh, what's what's the feeling from like just the regular, you know, the people that you've spoken with in Yorktown about like, you know, are people happy for him? Do they feel like he's kind of leaving them high and dry? I mean, it seemed like well, he was a pretty, like, it's a mixed it's, it's a mixed bag. I'm sure the Democrats are thrilled because he was looking a little unbeatable. He, he even ran uncontested last year. So now this kind of gives them a chance to uh, get back in the game and, and maybe take town hall back. <laughs> I think they're probably thrilled about it. But at the same time, he he was kind of a across the aisle leader. He was actually well liked by people in both parties. It's interesting now because I, I've seen already some criticism of him online for almost being not conservative enough because of his you know support for Yorktown for Justice and things like that. So it'll be interesting. But I think you know, like I said, if he secures the nomination, he should be fine. Yeah, I think some people were initially disappointed that you know they liked him. It's a compliment to him. They liked him. They wanted him around for longer. I think they always kind of knew he had ambitions for higher office, but. They had hoped he'd stay. He would stay a few more years longer. So I have to say, I, I personally like Matt Slater more as a politician than when he worked for politicians. Um, you know, I, I, I think when he uh, when he worked for when he was an employee of, of Senator Murphy. Let me put it this way: he he definitely um, he was a good employee in the sense that he advocated for his boss. Oh um, yeah, yeah. He got, he's tenacious. He had, he did what he had to do for his boss. You know. Yeah. So I I, I, I totally get that. So his, um, his his personal politics definitely seem more. Just dealing with him yeah. on a day-to-day basis, I can say I think he's a pretty empathetic person. He takes criticism to heart and he hears everyone. When it comes to my job, he always knows I have a job to do and he's always respected that. I've never really seen him lose his cool or be kind of, he's always very understanding and empathetic. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think those are pretty good qualities in a leader. So, but, and that's not saying anything of his politics, you know, you might disagree on some things or, you know, whatever. So, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And what that means for Yorktown is uh, we just dealt with this in Bedford last year. Chris Burdick was elected to the assembly and it kind of left chaos in Bedford. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, there's infighting primaries and like just year long fighting and even like ethics complaint filed against each other. And so what's going to happen is the deputy supervisor, 
if no action is taken, immediately assumes the duties of supervisor. Did but he get paid that salary? It's a good question. I asked Matt Slater that, and he said he thinks so, but he wasn't positive. But I think this board is it's all it's an all Republican board, even with Slater gone, it'll be 4 0. So I, I think they're pretty unified. I think Bill will come out with I don't think there will be same infighting we had in Bedford. I think I kind of expect them to appoint Tom Diana as supervisor and he's the deputy supervisor now. He's been he's the senior most member of the board. He's been there now for six, seven years. Yes, yeah, so I, I think that's probably the, the direction it's gonna head. So to be clear, they have 30 days to appoint a replacement. And if they can't come to an agreement on an appointment, then it will go to a special election. Okay. But I think they'll probably vote to appoint. I hope it goes to a special election. Yeah, that's always fun and better for <laughs> good us. For, good for us. Yeah, yeah, we root for chaos here at Halston Media. Of course, of course. It's not fun when they have a unified front. And No. <laughs> we want smooth transitions. And, and talk about sales, you know, as we did before. It's good for our sales team also. They, <laughs> they get excited. When democracy is in action, it's good, you know, good for everybody. But to continue on with the politics thing, Vidat Gashi made it official. He's running for Congress, uh, the 16th Congressional District against Jamal Bowman. He's primarying him. That'll be interesting. I, I have yet to get in touch with Vidat. I called him last week and I got to be persistent on him. He he went to the New York Times, that son of a gun. Uh, he did an interview with oh, them no. announcing his candidacy. I know, I know. He big time does. I got to get him, <laughs> get land that interview with Yorktown News. So yeah, he's running for Congress there. And then rumor has it, I have this on pretty good authority that Michael Grace is uh, running for Lieutenant Governor. And I think he's a former Yorktown supervisor for context. I think lieutenant governors and governors, are they elected separately in New York? Or I think so, right? Or I think primary. I, I think they run separately on the primary, but when the general election, they run together on the same ticket. I think that's how it is. But I, so he's running for lieutenant governor. And I think that's kind of alongside Rob Astorino, who's the long shot candidate for the Republican nomination. I think Lee Zeldin is the favorite. Think in everybody's mind. So, um, and look, interesting. look, you know, there could be some kind of scandal that happens, and whoever wins as governor, and then all of a sudden Grace becomes the uh, oh governor, well, just like with Hochul. Hey, you never know. I have pretty good sources for that. Uh, I, I've been checking the active filer listening. At, he hasn't filed yet for lieutenant governor, but I've heard that petitions are circulating. Um, I did reach out to him, he didn't get back to me. So, I'll again, I'll be persistent on that. So, we got a uh, Slater running for assembly, uh, Gashi running for Congress, and and Grace running for lieutenant governor. So these Yorktown people with uh, political ambitions. And again, as I said, there's there's someone else local, but we can't say yet who is running for Congress. So uh, we'll we'll hopefully it's get- me. I announce. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Tom, I'm going to jump back to you. Um, I know you wanted to uh, talk a little bit about kind of the outrageous. Uh, act of vandalism in summers yeah we're gonna go back to our, our crime laden elephant town here um no this was just a follow-up so at the uh, february 24th there was actually somebody who threw a brick through the window of the state trooper barracks and made an escape on an atv was actually pursued by helicopter all this played out in somers new york mind you yeah and was uh, finally arrested it was a uh, 19 year old kid from uh, from somers that got caught so he's uh, facing second degree criminal mischief charges it was just a follow up on an earlier story because usually when you hear about you know helicopter chases you know it, it raises some eyebrows so and unfortunately yeah. for this kid at 19, you're no longer considered a kid. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's yep, he's uh, going to be having some having some bad times there. But uh, yeah, well, Wit, Wit was actually good enough to run down to the barracks for me and take a picture of the handsome piece of plywood that they had it covered up with. Got as many angles as I could of a 
boarded up door. <laughs> I, I expected more police tape and like a crime scene, a crime scene team, but Wit, Wit's a good soldier. So he did, he did what I asked. And again, you know, this is all alleged, you know, of course, until someone's convicted, but I have to say this guy is allegedly a special kind of stupid because uh, if you're going to commit vandalism, do it against a state trooper barracks. They're going to be pretty motivated to find out who did it. Yeah. Yeah. They tend to take those things pretty seriously. <laughs> yes. Oh, Jessica, I, I know you wanted to mention what you, uh, one story you are working on right now. I think it's kind of cool also, uh, especially, uh, you know, I, I have little kids at home. So we watch, watch these types of television shows. If you want to want to go into the story that you'll be pursuing. Sure. So this Friday, I have an interview with a little boy named McLean. He's going to be on MasterChef Junior. I believe that airs on March 17th. He's from South Salem, so he's pretty local. And I'm really looking forward to just talking about his time on the show, what got him into cooking, and how it's a, the adjustment from being on the show to now being home, essentially. Yeah. Well, I've seen the show with my kids, and it is a lot of fun. So that's very exciting for sure. The kids on these shows on MasterChef Junior, they know what they're doing. I mean, they have to be a very, very good chef. These are kids who are better cooks than most adults. So uh, this is going to be you know, certainly fun to watch for the town. No, I've, I've never watched the adult version of this show. Is this the one where like Gordon Ramsay screams at you? Not no. He's okay. very nice that's with kids. Well, I, I didn't imagine he would be screaming at the children. In, <laughs> in the <laughs> I think some of that's a little bit of his shtick. As they say in Yiddish, shtick. So, shtick uh, <laughs> is just yelling at people while they're trying to cook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I do want to um, end this episode by um, thanking everyone, but especially Jessica and Wit uh, for being good sports. This is the first time on our podcast. You know, they didn't really know what, what they were encountering, but that's part of uh, being part of the Halston Media team is to do this fun podcast. I think we learn a little bit about what our towns are doing and takes place of our editorial meeting in a sense. So this is kind of fun. And we definitely want you back on the show uh, frequently. Thank you. I'd love to be back. This was so much fun. Great. Thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everybody. Have a good day. You too. Have a great day. You too.